0: Today on the podcast we have Leah Blake, owner of Century Girl Vintage. The store is known and identifiable by its pastel pink exterior, but stepping inside is a little bit like both entering a storybook and a portal to the past. All of the items available for sale have been handpicked by Leah and have passed the test of quality and taste. I have been obsessed with *Century Girl myself since I stepped in last fall, and it has been such a pleasure having the opportunity to speak with Leah. Please welcome Leah Blake. Hi, Leah. Welcome to Let the Good Talk Roll. Hi, Emily. Thank you so much for having me. It is a pleasure to have you on. So we're going to start by just introducing you a little more. So in your own words, tell me a little bit about yourself. Uh, So my name is Leah Blake, and I own Century Girl Vintage here in New Orleans. I'm a mother uh, to a seven-year-old and a five-year-old, and um, vintage is my passion. Great. And you are, like you said, the owner of Century Girl Vintage and Century Girl is off Magazine Street here in New Orleans. What is this gorgeous shop all about? Oh my goodness. It's my heaven. So I love clothes and I've always been a shopper and I wanted to create a magical experience where you would feel like you're walking into a Parisian salon, like you had just stepped into Dior's Atelier. And um, it's a work in progress, but I think I'm I'm on the right path. <laughs> and I know that you have mentioned you're deeply inspired by the shopping you did in Paris, like you just mentioned. What about this shopping experience? Well, see, I've never been. That's what I mean. Oh, you it's haven't. just in my mind. This is the imagined version of that. So I've read a lot of books and I've followed your um, you know, the progress of his boutiques. So it's all just this is just imaginary. <laughs> That's amazing. I think you need to go to Paris. I do too. I have never <laughs> been to Paris, but whatever let's this let's go, is, girls. Next after COVID, we should go. I would love to go. <laughs> we can drink wine, eat cheese, and most importantly, go shopping. And go shopping. Whatever the space is, whether it is Parisian or not, I can't mm-hmm. verify, but it is truly magical. Thank, Thank you so much. And you grew up in East Alabama, spending time at estate sales with your grandmother. You said that this instilled in you a love of old things and fine clothing. How did you see that passion grow with you into your adulthood? Yes, so my grandmother was such a fashionista, and she used to let me play with all her furs and her jewelry and her real diamonds, and um, she would take me shopping, and I just saw her as like the epitome of glamour, and so I've always kind of been an Appreciated that. Like, I've always loved beautiful things, fine fabrics, um, and I just always had expensive taste. <laughs> and so, you know, growing up, now I can afford these things, but it's been fun to dream. I truly understand that. Do you remember when you first had the idea of opening Century Girl? Yeah, so I actually, my first job in New Orleans was Trashy Diva down the street, and this was my first kind of view that you could even have a vintage store, right? So people in New Orleans, the style is so eccentric, you can walk down the street wearing a hat and no one seems to think anything of it. I'm from Alabama, so everyone wearing any kind of ensemble like that is deemed too fancy. Uh, But I learned that you can have a store and so I started selling vintage, my own vintage on Etsy and different pop-ups and just worked my way up. Okay. And did you have any traditional education that contributed to your success here? Or did you, uh, do you attribute most of your success to outside education you have pursued? Right. So none at all. I was going to say I went to college. Um, I was pre-law. I actually dropped out of law school. They weeded me out my first semester and I'm very happy they did because I don't think there needs to be another lawyer in the world. <laughs> and we can't imagine a world without this. Exactly. So this was just a dream, um, Like I said, once I started selling vintage, I saw that people really liked my spin on it. I think vintage stores are super personal. So my store is definitely a reflection of myself and my aspirations. And I'm glad that people appreciate it. That's incredible. You started buying and selling your own vintage pieces online after moving to New Orleans, like you said, and now have your store, which you opened in 2014. Yes. and where did you start finding these pieces where did you go to seek out and buy these unique clothing pieces and jewelry and everything that you have today yeah well so I used to go to a lot of estate sales here and New Orleans is great for estate sales because you'll go into this mansion and it's completely untouched and you can just go through the closets of these fabulous women and you're immediately transported to where they've been in the world Um, so I started that way I also buy from like other stores antique stores Anything that I saw was really fancy that maybe was in kind of a more casual setting, I would buy and just start my collection. Do you still continue to go to estate sales along with other shopping Sometimes locations? I catch them. You have to wake up really early. And now that I have kids, I don't anymore. And like I said, my tastes are kind of even more advanced than they were back then. So I mainly buy at auctions and textile shows and from other dealers. Okay. And I did have a friend ask me before I do this interview that I ask you for aspiring um, gem hunters, Mm -hmm. where do you suggest uh, one go? Do you still suggest estate sales and also perhaps for someone who is a little younger and more on budget? Yeah, I think the internet is your oasis. So you've got all these great platforms, Depop, eBay, Etsy. You don't even have to leave your house anymore to find treasures. You just have to, you know, Work at it. So constantly be on your phone. <laughs> Do you have any suggestions for websites or? So eBay, Etsy. Right. Um, let's see, First Divs, The Real Real has great deals sometimes. Just really kind of explore and find out where you can make a profit. Okay. And not only do you source these pieces from, I'm assuming, all over the world, but you also collaborate with local female designers and artisans. How do you seek them out and connect with these women? Mainly through Instagram and just having a store. So that's the gift of my store. I've met so many beautiful, talented, creative women, and they'll just come in and we'll strike up a conversation. And I'll find out that they make gowns out of silk scarves, or they hand knit embroidery on their own pieces, and. um, So I'm really inspired by others. And I wouldn't say my store would be the same without the collaboration of all those involved. Okay, that's great. How many uh, local artists do you work with at this time? Oh my goodness, I think at least five, always looking for more. Um, Corinne Walsh does my silk scarf pieces. Um, I do, Miss Ellie is one of my great friends. She works on jewelry together. Uh, Chelsea Nipp does hand embroidery. So it's just a huge list. (laughs) What are some things about opening this store that you hadn't anticipated and have um, been surprised by either positively or negatively oh my down goodness. the road? Um, I would just say the gift of meeting so many different people all the time is something I didn't know that I, I feed off of. You know, I love clothing and I love the product, but also the experience of meeting people. So you'll have a mother come in and shop with her daughter for prom. You have a bride come in. You have someone who's going to a fabulous destination wedding. It all feels like happy celebrations, and that feels really good to be a part of. That's incredible. And when sourcing your pieces globally, how do you go about that? Do you know, um, you know, do different pockets have a particular style or type of clothing where others don't? Yeah, so there are you know well-known auctions around the world that happen, and they feature fine clothing and jewelry. Um, just being in the industry, I figured out which ones you know work for me, um, and it's a great way to invest your money actually too, and keep your eye on like what's trending. Okay, and tell me about your current customer base. Yeah, so it really runs the gamut and I'm very proud of it. So I get young girls who come in who are aspirational. They, um, you know, can maybe just buy like a $30 ring or something like that. And then I have older women who come in and can afford it all, (laughs) but they love it. so it really, there's not one specific woman. And so that's what I'm most proud of, that everyone can find something here that speaks to them. And are your customers primarily the ones who come into the store? Or do you have a lot of people who will order from you globally? Yeah. So I would say I have a good half and half of locals and tourists. And especially with the pandemic, I wouldn't have survived if I wasn't selling online. So I was fortunate to um, be able to sell on Instagram. And I felt like the community just protected me (laughs) and held me up. Sure. And you mentioned Instagram. How do you use Instagram besides connecting with other artists? How has social media been really a benefit for you? It's wonderful. I mean, you can connect with someone who shares your own interests. You can follow people that you've never thought you could ever meet in person and then meet them. Um, It's been just a blessing for my business because people see my aesthetic and they love following and seeing what beautiful things we get in and it's really fun to share that with others. That's a great take on social media. (laughs) I know. It can be a little intimidating sometimes, and there's days that you don't feel like posting anything, but usually you have to push through that. Especially as a business. And as a business owner, what are some important lessons you've learned along the way? Maybe a top three.
1: Oh, top three. Goodness.
0: Just treat everyone like, you know, they're coming into your home. That's been my biggest, I think, um, uh, what's the word? sign of success. Just, I love being a hostess. I love sharing things with people, and I think it's important if you're gonna have a business that you need to be there to interact with your customers. It can't just be about making money or how it looks, or it needs to be from your heart. Um, other things, keep a wonderful team around you, so you can't do it all yourself. So make sure that you delegate, make sure that you have people that you trust. I don't know if that's too loud. <laughs> Um, people are in the shop, we're in the shop right now, so people are shopping. Uh, so have a great team and then just reinvest in yourself. So keep putting money back into the business, build it slow. Rome was not built in a day, so you can't have it all at once. I want to jump back a little bit. What does your personal closet look like? You said you're a lover of fashion yourself, that's how this all got started. So yeah. I know. And there are some really beautiful pieces. Every single time I come in here, I'm just wowed. So how do you allow yourself I to sell them? Um I, I sadly am very boring when it comes to my everyday wardrobe. It's kind of like I'm a museum curator, so I wear about the same five things all the time. So yeah. you know, so you can focus on your art, which is my store and the racks of pieces that I keep as my art collection. So I have a really great art collection. I don't necessarily wear it all the time because I'm worried about damaging it. Sure, sure. And I damage my jacket all the way (laughs) over here. (laughs) One of the things I do not wear um, for my at-home day job, so. I would never forgive myself if I ripped, you know, like a 1920s chiffon gown, I would just cry. Oh, I understand. Okay, so what advice would you give to your younger self? To be more confident with my own interests. So college was really overwhelming for me because I felt like you had to make the decision, you know, what you wanted to do with your life. And I thought, well, let me take the safe route and be a lawyer, it's gonna make money. My parents wanted me to do that. I still don't think my parents know what I do, (laughs) or they don't understand how it works, which a lot of people don't understand how it works because they're like, you sell old clothing for a living. Um, But I wish I had listened to my heart. I wish I had explored what I've always been passionate about, and um, definitely to have that kind of degree behind what I'm doing would be very beneficial. And what do you think the future of vintage looks like? I know it is the future. um, Yeah, I think, you know, especially with the the way the environment is going and young people are now more aware of shopping sustainably and all the damage that it's having on our planet, Um, vintage is the new new, so to speak. So I think everyone's going to be shopping vintage and I think vintage statement pieces are going to be even more desirable. And how do you define vintage? I was Very disheartened to hear that. and It's true that the 90s, yeah, early 2000s are going to be vintage soon. That's that's what I was going to say. And it was when I was, you know, in the 2000s. That was the 80s, and that was totally that was a theme. Mm The 2000s, and that's very scary. I know. You know, I named my store Century Girl because. I do think there is something beautiful to take from each decade, and so there are certain things from the 2000s that I'm into, and John Galliano and Dior dresses, um, little small tiny bags, like it's fun, and it's having a huge moment right now. I think everyone is dressing Y2K. I don't know if you've noticed. I have noticed. <laughs> uh-huh. I went to the parades. Um, we had Mardi Gras here in New Orleans, and every girl I saw on the parade route had a bucket hat and a little spaghetti strap camisole and like necklaces, and I was here for it. My outfit was 2000s-inspired, now that I think about okay, it. Okay, was it? <laughs> yeah, gosh. Oh, gosh, okay. But, yeah, oh, so, so back to what vintage means. Vintage, to me, means at least 25 years old. Okay. Um, and anything after that is antique. And what is your favorite period of time for fashion? I love the 1920s. I just think design, art, um, Everything was just so beautiful and opulent and well-designed. The Gilded Age. The Gilded Age, yes, yes. It's hard to find things from that era because it literally disintegrated. So if you think about silk chiffon dresses, the most delicate of all fabrics, that would be heavily beaded, and then you'd be dancing night away, and I don't know how they made it. I don't either. Yeah, it really doesn't make sense that it would be paired together, but. I think things were just made better back then. Yeah. I mean, they were usually made handmade. Um, I wouldn't want to say like couture, but definitely made with much more precision and care than our clothing today. And speaking of our clothing today, could you identify some style markers for for now? I know you said there a lot of 2000 influences. Yeah. But I think like the rise of personal style is going to be on on the rise. Like... You know, wearing what you want to wear, not really having an occasion to dress all wild, like just, we've made it through COVID, like just express your personality and however you want to. Um, also more androgynous styles, like not having gender specific styles are going to be huge. Okay. yeah, That's very insightful. <laughs> I hope so. I mean, I hope that's right. Well, and I mean, that's good insight. I don't know if I would have pointed that out, but that makes a lot of sense. And, and a return to like simplicity and like, Craftsmanship, so more handmade pieces. I would say crochet would probably be really big. Um, anything reworking vintage pieces, things like that. Okay. And what advice would you give to someone who was interested in pursuing a career similar to yours? Oh my goodness! Um, make as many connections as you can. It's all about networking. Follow the designers that you like on Instagram. Try to reach out to them. Um, work for vintage stores so you know how everyone does it a little bit differently find out the designers you like get knowledgeable about a niche I do think you need to have a niche to have a successful store so you can't have everything you know but what can you focus on that you do really well and did you put together sort of a team of people in your life who were close to you to help you go about achieving this goal at the time um, I would just say my husband has been such a, a force of support for me. I mean, he, we actually had our car totaled. It was like five thousand dollars. We got the check from the insurance, and we just reinvested that and we like bought some clothing racks together with that. So, I mean, he has been a, a very big help. I would say all the women that work for me in the store I met through the store and have been with me, you know, for going on four or five years now. So they're like my best friends. So they're like my family at this point. Um, and just all of my customers who've just cheered me on from the sidelines and I feed off that energy. When someone comes into my store, almost like you, Natalie, and you love it, I just immediately just get, you know, something like an rush. <laughs> well, I am more than happy to play that role. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. And if you could have stepped into my shoes today, what would you have asked yourself about Century Girl Vintage, about Leah Blake that I have yet not? Um, uh, let's see. I know. Sorry. I, I guess I would say I, what I want to get across is it didn't all just happen this way. And I know I, I make it look easy with like it being so glamorous and flashy, but it does take a lot of hard work and a lot of determination. And I think a lot of people probably might have quit when I didn't quit just because I'm so stubborn. <laughs> so it didn't automatically happen this way. Some people know that you have to put in a lot of years of not so glamorous work. What does that not so glamorous work look like? That means like digging through estate sales, cleaning really funky things off clothing, um, waking up really early, dealing with customers that just are not the best with customer service. (laughs) Um, Long hours, writing emails, you know, just all the things that are not as much fun as dancing around in a pretty dress. Sure. Well, speaking of pretty dresses, and let's go back to some of the What are some of the most interesting pieces that you've stumbled upon? I have this one dress that I still think about, and I sold it, and I regret it every day of my life. But it was a gorgeous 1910 style dress, if you can imagine, like from the era of Titanic. And it was silk, had beautiful embroidery on it. And so it had actually been worked on by three generations. So the lace on it was from like 1880s style was 1910s and then it had been beaded sometime in the 1920s so it really just gave me goosebumps thinking about three generations of women like they have kept that dress and they kept it in the family and they made it theirs probably for their coming out or their wedding um and just you know how clothing has memory and it's connected to who we are and um it, it went to a really great collector so i know it's in a good home but i still think about it <laughs> It was beautiful. <laughs> oh, it sounds beautiful. I, Titanic was a good reference. If you had just said 1910s, I don't know if I would have been able to pull that to up. To pull it but. together, yeah. But it was, yeah. Rose would have worn it. But I also love, like, modern designer pieces. You know, it doesn't have to be really old for it to be meaningful to me. Um I'm trying to think of other things that I've loved. I had a really cool cape that belonged to Debbie Reynolds. So just anything that has kind of history or was important in society, I'm also I'm down for that. What's one of the wackiest things that you've seen come in? Oh my goodness. I my friend um, Leah Gobin actually designed a acrylic nail dress. So it looked kind of like a Paca Raban um go go shimmy dress, but it was made out of fake nails. <laughs> so I was there that day. Oh, so you I saw actually it? got to see that. Yeah, that's pretty weird. Leah Gobin actually said that she would come on the pod. Oh wonderful! So I hope I you did not when that's her. gonna be, but I She's fabulous. Another girl that I um, I'm so lucky to have represented in the store. That's awesome. And tell me about living in New Orleans. How? I mean, I know you've mentioned New Orleans is a special place. People mm-hmm. wear some really eccentric clothing mm-hmm. on the regular. Yeah. How else has the spirit of New Orleans inspired your store? Uh, New Orleans is just wonderful. It's it's a poor man's Paris. It's mixed like Beyonce and Blanche DuBois. It's just has such a feeling about it that you really can't describe and I don't think my store would be as successful anywhere else in the world. I think people who come here are hopeless nostalgics. They love the old um, and that's why I try to do with my store is keep it like, it, it's like a 1930s salon. So keep the floors original, do a little shabby chic, just have people transported back in time. Beautiful. And where can our listeners learn more about you if you want to plug anything? Yeah, so you can follow us on Instagram at Century Girl Vintage. We also have a website, www.centurygirlvintage.com, and we're always happy to answer any questions. We're just a DM away. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Leah. We have just blown through these questions. It has been a pleasure speaking with you. Of course. Now, would you like to try on a few dresses? I would love to try on (laughs) a few dresses, so stay tuned and check out our Instagram for these special images. Thank you so much, Emily. All right. Bye-bye.